Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Craig and Chris from SCORE. We're going to be talking about breathing life into your processes. The guys are going to give us an overview of the solution and the areas that they're trying to disrupt. And then we'll have a conversation about all things process documentation mapping related. Hi, Craig. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? So, Craig, we'll start with you. You're the CEO at SCORE. Again, be good for maybe those that aren't familiar with yourself. We'll, we'll talk about the product in a while it's for you to give us a bit of a career biog, what you've done, how you landed where you are today. Yeah, sure. I'll uh, try and be as succinct as possible, but uh, quite a varied career. Uh, but I, I started my career in technology, actually in hardware, and then quickly moved on to uh, internet technologies. But I, I learned very early on in my career that uh, it doesn't matter how good piece of technology is if you can't get people to buy into the vision of that technology or to understand how it works and it's not going to be successful Uh, so relatively early in my career I actually moved into areas around uh, change management and you know understanding business processes a large part of my career I would have said that I've been a business process improvement or business process management um, consultant, but that's been mainly on technology-driven change and transformation projects. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with organizations of all sizes from you know, small startups right through to, to large enterprises and went through a number of years traveling the globe extensively, which uh, it was, was fun at the time, but it meant I spent a lot of time away from the the family, but um, as I said, the, the the real driving factor between behind my career has always been about how do I marry up technology with the the needs and wants of of you know everyday people and make sure that they're getting the most out of that technology. Brilliant. And Chris, quick career history from you. Uh, yes, yeah, so the abbreviated version. I actually trained as a scientist at university in physics. Um, managed to get into the uh, telecoms industry just before it went pop. But while I was well, pretending to be a scientist in a lab, I, I was paying more attention to what the, the IT guys were doing and the system guys were doing. So that really sort of spurred an interest in um, going back to university, doing a master's um, in information systems. So I just I was fascinated about how people interacted with technology and change and, and pro- projects and processes. Um, so I was lucky enough to get involved in a, um, a smallish, growing uh, UK-based company, which... Um, took me to all sorts of places, working for the likes of Nestle, Sony, BAE um, on, on, on big projects like ERP projects or organizational redesign or operational improvement, but all based around common theme of process, um, which obviously feeds mostly into into school and taking that forward. Yeah, so process is a big part of what you do in terms of, we'll find out a bit more about the product from Craig in a second, and clearly process is a big part of what we measure, so a nice happy marriage there in terms of how we, we work together. So Craig, tell us about uh, the solution. Tell us about how you're trying to disrupt typical ways of visualizing process. Yeah, I, going back to what I said in my sort of bio there, we, we spent many years, and, and by the way, the, the the founding team of SCORE, we, we've worked together for called nine and 15 years, so you know, long before we started SCORE. We Worked with a lot of these, you know, well-known household brands, as I we was saying, you know, all, all over the world, 
and you know, working in, in terms of trying to understand the structure of these organizations and make them you know, as, as efficient and as, as effective as possible. And if you go back 15 years or, or even longer, those big change programs were always driven by or largely driven by technology, but also, you know, they were the preserve of the, of the IT department. And, um, you know, and that while that's not always the case today, what is true today as it was then is that the, the tools and techniques that were available to us as consultants in terms of understanding how processes work, understanding the architecture of of an organisation, they were the preserve of the of the, the enterprise. They were, you know they required expensive, high end, complicated tools with highly skilled uh, members of staff to to run them. And the, one of the trends that we've seen, you know, over the last couple of decades in this sort of shift to cloud computing means that the ability for almost anyone within an organisation and any size of organization, right? So not just the larger enterprises, but even small to medium-sized businesses. It means that people can get and switch technology on quicker than they, they could ever do before. And that makes that, that that provides a huge amount of benefit, but it also makes things quite complex uh, for people. And so it, it became quite obvious that you needed to make some of these tools that we used as consultants to make sense of complexity, to make them much easier and more uh, available to a much wider audience. And you know, we've talked a lot about process, and that's been our area of focus, if you like. You know, how, how do we take something as simple as process modeling and flow charting and make it uh, easier and quicker for people to be able to pick up and use? So I, I don't want to say that we're disrupting consulting, for example, because we have a huge number of our users are consultants, but we certainly make that type of work much quicker and much easier to do than it, than it traditionally was. But we also see a lot of organizations adopt SCORE to use it to do process improvement, process management work themselves, where previously they might have had to rely more heavily on outside help. So that's really what we're doing is making this these tools much more accessible so that people can pick them up and, and run with it them themselves. And does that then lead to more of a, a shift in how people interact with the solution? So my view or my experience is that people will spend a lot of time documenting processes in various guises online offline paper whatever but then that's it so with it becoming easier to document and design the processes and change the processes surely that means now there should be more of a living and breathing thing so as the process evolves it's easier to update is that is my thinking right there yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, partly there's a bit of a behavioural challenge here, right? So that we, in so many organisations, we're used to that cycle of big project coming up, bunch of discovery work, create you know reams and reams of documentation that no one ever uses again. But but that that happens partly because it is hard work, right? It takes time. The tools aren't you know, super intuitive to use. That you need to do it. And that's one of the things that we're trying to fix. And so it means that it is easier to go back and, and visit documentation and keep it up to date and, and so on. But also, it's you know, it's not just the tools, but the, the approach you take, right? We, we've been very, really focused on keeping the approach simple so that anyone 
like literally anyone, uh, you know, you don't need to be an analyst or any sort of technology expert to be able to pick up and read a process. And so it should be much easier for you to be able to keep that alive, keep it updated. And that's certainly the, the behavior we're seeing in more and more organizations we work with that once they've created it, they've created a valuable asset. Why, why let it sit in a cupboard somewhere gathering dust or digital dust on a server somewhere? Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And Chris, from your point, does that bring the owner of the process closer to the operation? Because it's easier to share and visualise and discuss with the people doing that process? Indeed, it does. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about who the owner should be in a process, there's no you know, there's no one clear answer. And But our experience, our strong advice would be it's, it's got to be that person that's going to be able to affect the change. There's no, there's no point in someone owning a process and they don't really drive the change. They don't really understand what's going on. So putting that person who can affect that change and then keeping the process as easy to understand by anyone that's going to have a part to play is, is critical. You know, that's, that's, that's what really our one bit of advice. You know, keep it, keep it easy to understand and keep it owned by a person that can affect that change. And by the nature of it, it must mean that you don't lock yourself into as... Craig talked about in the earlier part those, I suppose, documentation experts, let's call them, that are the only ones that can use the tool, the only ones that can update the tool or make changes. Now, clearly, there has to be a process flow of who can and can't update. But actually, I mean, I've used it so I can document a process, so it, it must be fairly foolproof if I can get through one. But that opens up a whole other world of collaboration around processes i assume chris indeed it does i mean if we flip it on its head what's the norm you know if you're before score um, or still prevalent in probably more organizations than not it's it's these individuals that own that discovery that process discovery phase you know they own that tool set i'm not going to call out any tools um, in in this discussion but we all we can all probably all know who they are but you know these they're very expensive tool sets they take time to learn you know, it's a special skill set, and those individuals within the organisation, especially the larger organisations, are are in demand because of that, because they're you know, a finite resource and and probably supporting quite a few projects. So, we we've seen it time and time again where a, a project requires process work. They'll they'll put the the request into the central process team. Um, they'll get a, a slot in a few weeks' time. They'll come they come down to the desk um, or facilitate a workshop. Um, and then a few weeks later, they'll get a printout of their version of the process. And that's that's really just not conducive to to any kind of change, especially as Craig um, mentioned in his um, in, in in the introductory talk. You, you can't spend a you can't spend months and months documenting processes, or even weeks documenting processes, when the technology that you're implementing to support that process is going to be up and running in, in half that time. It's just not there. So you need to up you need to give your your BAs, your process owners, um, your team superpowers when it comes to documenting those processes. And you guys are at a stage now where you can pretty much map a process, document a process, whatever terminology you want to use, in a workshop on the fly. So Craig might be helpful if you can kind of talk us through how that that would work. Yeah, we. this was actually one of the first things we focused on. It was the first thing we focused on with the product. We... we, we <laughs> 
I've been in, involved in um, so many workshops over the years, and you, you know, some of them are really successful. You get really energized group of people who really, in some in some respects, a process workshop can be incredibly therapeutic for the participants to really get a lot of this information out onto the table. Some of the challenges, you know, when they realize that their colleagues are facing the same challenges, when they share their ideas about how to improve the process. But at the same time, you've been involved in workshops that just, just didn't go that well. And you know, people will leave the room going, well, that was a waste of my time. Not sure what the point of this exercise is and, and so on. And we were really trying to work out how to, um, how, do we, how do we bottle up that brilliant experience and make it much, much easier uh, to do. And we looked at uh, you know, an approach that made it easier to engage with people, to, to get people uh, on board and, you know, be, being very sort of um, open. You know, we one of the things we found challenging was was some of the older or more traditional approaches to flow charting. You know, some of the standards that are available to now, uh, that are available now, are not always conducive to you know, engaging non-technical people. So we looked around, we found a, a, an approach that worked really well, but then we had to build a product that was intuitive enough and quick enough so that you could, you know, first of all, map at the speed of conversation. So you need to be in a workshop uh, environment. You need to be able to put it up on the screen as quick as people tell you. Otherwise, the, the tool becomes a barrier. But the second thing is that we really focused on, th- thought about a lot was if everyone's sitting in a room looking at a screen, right, that initially suggested it's not as interactive as if you're all standing around a whiteboard shuffling sticky notes around. And so we thought a lot about the structure of the approach and how do you kind of get the how do you get people into the flow of talking about it and and take away all the friction so as i said the it's partly the approach that's nice and structured it asks people questions as as they go and then building an intuitive interface which means that the the user we, we've built things like shortcuts into the product so that you can you know literally facilitate and map a process at the same time uh, and that's essentially the the core of it and that that must really help in a the year we've lived in in terms of collaborating online and virtual collaboration post meetings so that without knowing it's almost set up for the current environment yeah exactly we i mean this is something we've been doing for a number of years helping people run remote process discovery and remote process workshop sessions but yeah as as soon as you know the lockdown was on the cards it became obvious that this was a, a tool that was going to really help people. And we saw that certainly in the early days. We saw a huge amount of demand for people to do this sort of work after the initial shock, but also uh, training. We saw a, a, a huge amount of interest in just kind of learning the basics of the approach and the tool so that people could get up and running and start using it. So they could make this sort of smooth transition from the you know, traditional face-to-face workshops they'd been doing pre-lockdown to essentially carry on the projects that they were delivering. And interestingly, I spoke to a, a consulting company we worked with uh, yesterday down in um, South Africa, and they were saying that uh, they, they would always been skeptical about doing anything online before the, the uh, pandemic hit. And actually, since since March, they've delivered several projects where they've never met the client. Like they've never been in the same room as the client. They met them online, delivered all the work online and delivered the project. Yes, it's amazing how we've grown into that. And I think it, normal or the new normal has been words that have been overused massively this year. But maybe that's the reset that now you don't you don't need to. It is nice to meet people. It's always nice to interact face to face. 
but in a world that thinks differently maybe that's maybe that's the way that that is the new normal to coin a phrase that's been overused so chris one of the new things that you guys have been working on i know it's been in the product for a while but there's been a series of updates is the whole uh, quantify piece be good to share what that does in your kind of hopes and future pieces around that part because that that really sets you guys apart and stands out yeah indeed now i mean that's it's, it's all built on the core score um idea of building out a process understanding what that process is and then what you can do with the, the quantify module is very simply against each step just add some some quantification data so how long is it taking how many what, what's the volume going through it are there any uh, fixed costs and the like and then being able to then because in the score methodology you're, you're putting uh, roles and resources against each activity putting a cost against those so very quickly without the need of for spreadsheets i hasten to add you're getting a picture of your process in terms of how long is it taking where are the bottlenecks in terms of time or, or cost and what we've done um in the, in the last few months is really beef up that functionality to to include things like FTE, FTE analysis. So putting in the the people that you think you've got to support that and and then looking and being able to uh, run scenarios around the throughput is, is it's amazing. You know, it really is really is a good piece of functionality. And it's letting in businesses um, you know, ask questions and get rapid answers. Like if we were to double, double the, the our business next month, you know, what, what sort of t- team would we need to look at? Um, do we need to reskill people? Do we need to onboard people? Do we have too many people in a, in a team? And of course, a lot of those questions were driven from the likes of lockdown and, and furlough because business was lumpy. Teams coming back in at different times. You know, uh, who who to bring back? And and score combined with score with that module starts to allow businesses to to plan for that growth again you know, with confidence. And Craig, without giving away. Anything that's too secret, can you share any of the, the stuff you're thinking about in terms of the future of the product and where it's heading? Yeah, there's, we're always thinking about lots of different new and, and, and exciting things. But we, we also have to constantly remind ourselves about what's the, the core value of SCORE, right? And the core value, and as many of our users like to remind us, is it's about that simplicity that ease of use, the the speed with which you can get things done, and the way that the way that end I'll use the term end users, i.e. the the people in the process, the people who are often being impacted by the change, the way that they can engage with it. So we always have to keep those sorts of things in mind when we're looking at the future. But again, whatever we can do to make life easier for people, and I'll, I'll touch on something that we have launched that's quite new, but we'll certainly be developing more in the near future. And it's, it's the ability to uh, link score in with tool, sort of task management or uh, you know project management type tools, because it's brilliant for doing the discovery work. And out of that discovery work, you find all sorts of things that need to be done in a project or program. And so making it much easier and giving much more visibility to teams about what those tasks are and where they relate to within within a process. Some of the areas we've been experimenting with be around digital transformation, where there's some sort of technology or system that needs to be developed or, or configured or improved. 
And we've been looking at, you know, you, you map the process and then against individual steps in the process, you can define things like uh, user stories and you know, success criteria and other types of implementation criteria you need to know, and then send that to a product like, you know, Microsoft Azure DevOps, you know, one of those types of you know, task management uh, tools. And therefore, you have this sort of complete picture because you've got the sort of business view of how the process works in SCORE, which is indirectly linked to how the implementation team are consuming that information in their task management. And that team can then kind of link back and see, okay, you think a developer going, right, I've been asked to implement this particular feature, but why? Why do I need it? Because there's different ways I can do it. What What's the context? So from DevOps, they can click a link and then go straight back to the model and they can see the context in, in which that exists. And so we, while it's very early days, we've had some really interesting feedback on that. And that's certainly one of the areas that, you know, that we'll be looking to to improve and develop. And I think the another major piece that we're looking at is around our user interface. So we, you know, we've had an external agency in running a series of user experience research and, and experiments on the product. We've had some great feedback and, and we're working towards implementing some of those. So again, all following those th- themes of ease of use, simplicity, you know, making it as accessible as possible, we'll, we'll be continuing into the new year. Good to hear. Exciting times then. Exciting times. So if people want to find out more about you guys, more about the products, Chris, where's the best place for people to find you? If you go to gitscore.com, our website, you'll find a wealth of information there. We've signposted off to things like our YouTube channel. We've got a growing and thriving community where you can dip your toes in there if you want to have a look and see sort of some of the conversations going off on there. And we're, we're always running webinars and, um, and the like. So Best thing to do, go to our website, subscribe to our newsletter and have a dig around. And if you're interested in the conversation, then we're more than happy to pick that up. And both of you guys, so it's Craig Willis and Chris Green are on LinkedIn, so people can connect in with you there if if they're on that platform as well. Uh, please do. We'd love to have a good uh, bit of engagement over LinkedIn and yeah, some good conversation. So yeah, please do connect. Good. So guys, it's been a fascinating chat. I'll finish with the final podcast question. So we'll start with, let's start with you, Chris. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? Oh, crikey. I didn't see that one coming. Um, (laughs) That's the the point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's good. Best bit of business advice, I think, um, just get started. I think that's um, that's something I've learned, especially since being um, co-founder of SCORE. Um, You can spend ages and ages procrastinating about planning perfectly, creating a perfect plan, figuring out all the scenarios when, in fact, you've missed the point. Actually, get started, try something, see if it works and evolve from that. No, I like that. And you, you tend to you tend to learn a lot of stuff by getting started that you probably never thought about in six months of thinking and planning. Indeed, indeed. And and be prepared to fail because you're, you're probably, there's probably going to be more that doesn't work than does work in the totality of things. So just crack on. Good. And Craig, you've had a bit more time to think about it, so we're expecting a good one. <laughs> I, I was so hoping you were going to ask me the same question. <laughs> I am. No, same question. Same brilliant, question. brilliant. I, I, the, the one that immediately popped into my mind as soon as I heard the question was uh, a few years ago, I worked with a, a CIO from um, a, a, a major retailer, household brand, in the certainly in the UK and I think in other countries too. And he made this point. He said, look, I'm a, I'm a very, very busy person. If you want to get my attention and get me to make a decision, 
you need you need to tell me what the answer is in one sentence and then back it up with other information and and essentially what he was saying there was you know, whether you're in a sales environment or you know trying to get an idea across to to people it's dumb it right down to the very very simplest term and and actually keep the, keeping things simple is harder to do than you think it is but if you can keep that in mind how do you keep the message as simple as possible i think that's um something that, that we strive to do as difficult as it can be brilliant no i love those love those guys as i said absolute pleasure to uh, give everybody an update on the product and for those that didn't know about it a bit of education look after yourselves and we'll speak soon brilliant, brilliant. thank Thanks, you Bob.